0: daughter of Brian and Caitlin McAdams, and I love her story because a couple years ago we met and talked about Jesus, and after talking with her parents, we thought maybe we'd give Madison a little more time, and then this past week at Vacation Bible School, she came home and told her parents, hey, I want to be baptized, I believe in Jesus, and I place my faith in him, and so we're here today to celebrate that. And so if you are family or friends of Madison, would you please stand in her honor? Thank you so much for being here today. God bless you. You can be seated. And So Madison, the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we'll be saved. So here before your family and friends and church family, will you confess Jesus is Lord.
1: Jesus is Lord.
0: Amen. Well, my sister in Christ is based upon your confession. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Also a special day for me because today I get to baptize my son Luke. And so he is the son of me and Katie. If you're family and friends of Luke, would you please stand in his honor? God bless you. Thank you so much. You can be seated. Luke, the Bible says that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we'll be saved. So here before your family, your friends, and your church family, will you confess Jesus is Lord?
2: Jesus is Lord. Amen.
0: My son and my brother in Christ, I baptize you in the name of Jesus the Son, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
3: Tissue, I think.
4: Oh, good morning, sorry, I haven't getting myself together there. Uh, well hey, it's a great way to start worship and uh, celebrating baptism and seeing people come to the Lord, And so we just praise God for that. Thank you for being here and worship with us, especially if you're a guest, we, we're so glad that you're here. There's a guest card in the pew racks there, if you can uh, uh, grab those and, and fill those out at the end of the service. Uh, you can go down to the Welcome Center to your left there, up the little ramp there, and uh, a pastor will be there to to take that from you. You can drop it in a box if you don't have time to interact too much or whatever. Uh, we don't want to make this too uncomfortable, but we'd love to get to know you and get to know a little bit about you. So you can do that. We have a gift for you as well uh, there at the, the Welcome Center. So uh, take advantage of that. It, happy Father's Day. And uh, what a great treat for Jake and, and all the, the, the <laughs> baptism candidates, the fathers, and just... Uh, uh, thank you, everyone, for your role and the families, and we want to encourage you uh, to keep doing uh, what you do to the best of following uh, the example of Christ in your life. So Dr. Cox has a word about that uh, this morning as well. So let's pray and just ask God to continue to bless our worship. Father God, we love you, and we thank you for this opportunity to celebrate and worship, uh, celebrate people coming to know you and, and children uh, hearing the gospel of BBS and responding and, and being... Uh, having that uh, displayed and that example set in their worlds, uh, in their, their homes and, and God we just praise you that, that you have made yourself available for us to have an eternity with our true father who loves us no matter what who is willing to sacrifice himself to forgive us of our sins and, and, and draw us back into community with him God we thank you for that help our praise this morning just overflow with our thankfulness and gratitude and also help us just hear from you and know what we can do to be more like you. Help us to worship. Help us to love you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.
3: Amen. This is the day that the Lord has made. We you stand and let's sing together. <laughs> can you hear it? Gentle voice of the spirit, there's no reason to fear it. He's calling you to lie. Just surrender, run into the arms of the Father. The night is finally. Step into the light. Come on, let's go, go. This is the day
2: when the lost are found.
3: When you see
2: it light shines into the darkness
3: Salvation is here. Have no fear. Salvation has come and He is here. Have no fear. Salvation has come and peace he here. Have no House with a sound I can hear all the angels are singing this is the day when
2: the loss are found
3: let continue to worship together. He's the king of my heart.
2: Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, Oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life. Oh, he is my song. You are good, good. Oh, you are good. good good oh let the king of my heart i
3: so thankful that you will never let us down. You are, you are more faithful than the sun. You are more faithful than than the water, than more faithful than the wind. You are our God, our Savior, the one who loves us and never, never gives up on us and never lets us down. You are the good, good Father. And we thank you for that, Lord. You are worthy of our praise. I pray that we have blessed you today as we've sung. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Please be seated.
1: Good morning. Good to see you today. Glad to worship for you. What a joy to get to watch Jake. Uh, baptize his own son 20 years after he was baptized in that same place. And in the next service, Tim Hensick's going to baptize one of his kids. It's just a great day. And we praise God for that. Hey, I've been thinking about uh, Father's Day gifts. And I got to thinking this week about odd and unusual Father's Day gifts. When I was a kid, for Father's Day, I remember making, I don't know if it was in school or where, but somewhere they had us make our father a gift. We made an ashtray for our father. That just seems a little odd now. Today it didn't in the '60s. In the '60s, whether you smoked or not, everybody had ashtrays on the coffee table, right? Because you know somebody's coming to your house and smoking. But uh, you know now it just seems odd looking back. Hey, Dad, want to encourage you in that smoking habit? <laughs> And I uh, got an ashtray I made out of clay for you. It just seems a lot now. other thing that I remember making uh, growing up uh, was uh, on Father's Day was paperweights. I don't see as many paperweights today. Maybe, do you still have a paperweight? Maybe after air conditioning, papers aren't blowing around in the fans. I don't know. But I remember making paperweights for Dad. Uh, in the, in the, by the time my kids were growing up uh, in the uh, late 80s or early 90s, You always got something made out of popsicle sticks. That was the thing uh, there that you got a a gift out of. Um, And it doesn't matter what it is, if a kid makes it, it's sweet, it's cherished, it's loved. My son now in the next generation has uh, kids, and he was telling me the other day that uh, his six-year-old... I don't know where, school or somewhere, made, they made dog tags for their dad. And they were supposed to write the, na- the word dad on both sides of it. But you know, when you're a first grader, it's easy to get that D backwards, the D and the B, you know? So Zach said, I've been wearing around a, a dog tag that says bad dad on it, <laughs> you know, for a... For a few days now. But it's the thought that counts, right? It's the thought that counts. I read this week uh, about some of the worst Father's Day gifts, and barbecue scented cologne, I think, is one of the <laughs> ones that struck me as being uh, a little bit unusual. So uh, I've got some Father's Day gift suggestions for you today. They're from the Bible, the Word of God, and I want to share two things from the Bible that uh, you ought to give your father, no matter how old he is. If your father's living, you ought to give your father these two things. And then I want to turn it around and share father's uh, four things that you can give on this father's day to your family that will bless them. First of all, the first gift suggestion I have for you to give to your father is give your father obedience, obedience, there's only one passage in the New Testament that speaks directly to kids about their fathers. Only one. Well, there's one and a parallel passage in Colossians. It's in Ephesians 6. The other's in Colossians 3. And these were two of the prison letters that Paul wrote about the same time to these two churches. So there's a lot of similarities. So we're going to look at them in parallel. And it says to give your father obedience. Look at uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. So the, uh, uh, the direct address is to children. So this letter was sent to the church and probably they read it out loud. And in the verses before this, Paul has addressed different groups, husbands. Here's what you ought to do. Wives. Here's what you ought to do. Now in this verse, he's addressing children. This applies to anyone who's still living at home. Anyone who's um, under 18, not gone off to college or gone, left into the workforce. Children obey your parents. The word obey there is a compound word that's compound of the word to hear and then the word to react to. React to what you hear. Respond to what you hear. Submit to what you hear. Listen to your parents and then do what they say. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. So this is part of your obligation. And we talked about last week about the lordship of Jesus Christ because Jesus is my Lord. I submit to him and I submit to those he has put over me I obey my parents, for this is right, he says. And then the parallel verse below it there in Colossians 3.20 is very, very similar. These two letters written the same time to two churches. Children, obey your parents in everything. Now, we understand that in everything does not mean if your parents tell you to cook meth in the kitchen or to to, uh, kill somebody. You always submit to the higher authority of God, so you don't obey your parents if they cause you to disobey but other than that children obey your parents in everything and now in Colossians he changes the wording a little bit for this pleases the Lord it pleases the Lord for you to obey your parents obedience to parents is a big deal with God I want to show you two lists of sins in the New Testament where this appears. And it's grouped with some other sins that, to me, just amazes me, sort of surprises me a little bit. Maybe it'll surprise you, too. I want to read to you, first of all, a list of sins in Romans chapter 1, verse 28 and following. And this is where Paul's explaining the wrath of God. The wrath of God is coming, and God has has let us have our way and experienced some of the consequences of our sins. And he's got these sins that have brought the wrath of God. He says... Romans 1.28, Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthy to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought, not ought to be done. And here's examples of a depraved mind. Listen to this sinless. They become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They're gossips, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. Does that sort of surprise you? And that list of murder and strife and envy and everything, he puts in there disobeying parents. Pro- apparently, it's a pretty big deal to God, don't you think? By this list that he's given us, let me show you one more of these sin lists in the New Testament in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and following. But mark this, it'll be terrible times in the last days. And so here's some examples of the way people will continually stray from God in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, and so forth. You get it here that obedience to parents is apparently a pretty big deal to God because he groups it in some lists of some pretty heavy things there. Let me just say a word to you if you're a kid here today, if you're a teenager, listen to me as Paul said, children, why don't you do what your parents want you to do? Maybe you've been making excuses, whining, stonewalling. Maybe there's some issues in your family where you haven't been submissive to them. you got all your reasons, and I know you're moving toward independence, and that's a natural process in your life. But when you're here, still at home, you know what God says is right and is pleasing to him? Children, give the gift of obedience to your parents, and it'll please God. Here's the second thing you can give as a Father's Day gift to your father, or to your parents in general, and that is give your father honor. Give your father honor. Look at the second verse of Ephesians 6, still in this passage that uh, teaches us about family responsibilities, and Ephesians 6, 2 says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And so now the, the direct address has been dropped. You've had a list here, husbands do this, wives do this, children do this, but now there's no limiting noun there, right? Here's the deal. You're to obey your parents as long as you're at home, but when you move away from home, that requirement drops. A man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and two will become one flesh. You get married, or you move out. You're no longer under that authority anymore. You're no longer to obey your parents, But you're always to honor your parents. The first one was limited to children. This one has no limiting factor. You see what I'm saying? Here's the commandment. For all of your life, honor your father and mother. Now some people have had a father that's not worthy of respect. It means to respect. Some have had a father that's not worthy of honor. But you honor them because of the position and not because of the conduct. Just because a person is in that position, they're worthy of honor even if their conduct did not merit that honor. So even if you've had a bad dad, as the dog tag said, it's still to honor that person. So he says, he's quoting this. This is a quotation from the Ten Commandments, Deuteronomy 5.16. See how it's in quotation marks there? Honor your father and mother. He's quoting the the old uh, Ten Commandments. He says, which is the first commandment with a promise. And then verse 3 has that promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So if you read it in Deuteronomy, you'll see it was a little different. Paul has changed the wording to apply it to all believers. In the Deuteronomy, it was a specific promise to Israel. God said in that, ten, that commandment, one of the Ten Commandments, that if you obey, if you honor your parents, honor your father and mother, It'll be one of the factors that causes you to get to remain in this land. So instead of earth, you could look it back up in in Deuteronomy, it says that you'll live long in the land uh, and it will go well with you. So it's a specific promise to Israel about getting to stay in the promised land. Now Paul broadens that promise to all Christians and he changes land to earth and he says that you may enjoy long life on the earth. I don't think this is a, a ironclad promise, an unconditional promise. I think that it doesn't mean that young men who went to World War II and died in battle didn't honor their parents. Hey, if you'd honored your parents, you'd have lived long. You didn't honor your parents. That's why you got killed in battle. That's not true. Uh, people who honor their parents can die an untimely death, a young death. But this is a general statement here, a proverb, if you will, a principle, that generally all things equal that... Honoring your parents makes it go well with you. And he says that I'll bless you with long life. Jesus gave a specific application of this uh, command to honor your father and your mother. I want to read it to you in Mark chapter 7, verses 9 through 13. In Mark 7, Jesus said uh, to the Jewish people, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. Two verses from the Old Testament he quoted to them. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corban, that is devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you've handed down, and you do many things like that. So let's try to understand this situation here. Uh, There was, uh, in the Old Testament, it talks about Corban, or dedicating property or money or assets to God, set it aside reserved for God. Well, they had found a way to get out of helping their parents that they would set aside money that they had as Corbin dedicated to God and then when their parents needed help in their latter years and there's no social security of course or other kind of pension plans they said "Uh, I don't have the assets to help you I've dedicated my property my money to God we're not sure exactly how this loophole worked it may have been then that after the parents died they could pay a penalty to cancel Corbin, and the penalty would be less than the full amount. And so they'd be reserving their assets and then getting it back. We're not sure how it worked, but some kind of loophole like that, that they were setting aside. And of course, these religious leaders would get some benefit from that because part of that would go to them. So they were allowing these people to dishonor their parents by a loophole where in their tradition they said, oh, our assets are set aside for God and we can't help our parents knowing they were going to get that back later. And so Jesus specifically calls them out on this because Jesus says it's important to honor your parents. That's one of the commandments. And you're setting aside the commandments for your tradition. So Jesus applies this honoring specifically to financial help here, Uh, to providing for if you have parents that cannot provide for themselves. You want to give your parents a gift Your father a gift on this Father's Day. Give them the respect and the honor that God calls them to have. Let me turn it around now and share with you, fathers, some gifts that you can give to your family. Because I don't want to let you off the hook entirely on this Father's Day. So I want to share with you from the Word of God four things that you can give to your family. Number one, give your children your presence. Let me read to you a proverb, Proverbs 27, 8. Like a bird that flees its nest is anyone who flees from home. Birds are nesting now. Those birds care for those young. They come back to the nest. If they abandon the nest, those baby birds will die. Um, a, A male robin, a father robin will feed and care for those baby robins. And and the Bible is making this comparison. Like a bird that flees its nest is anyone who flees from home. I want to encourage you fathers. You may think sometimes, I don't know if I'm doing a good job. Listen, you're making a difference just by being there. Just being there. Your presence is a powerful impact. In 1968, 85% of the kids under 18 in America, according to the census, had a father or a stepfather in the home. 85%, 1968. By the 2020 census, it's just come out, that number has dropped to 70%. So 30% of the kids are growing up with no father figure in their home. And that is one of the biggest factors. For the outcome of a child is the presence, the influence the, of a father. Um, it, it has impact on runaways, on drug addiction, teen pregnancy, four times more likely where there's no father in the picture, suicide 63%. Uh, higher where there's no father in the picture sometimes couples will say to me who are having trouble and I talk to them and and the guy will say you know I'm just gonna get away for a while we're just you know we're having problems and I think it'll just help our marriage if I just we just take a break if we just separate for a while listen uh, I've I don't know but I've never known in 40 years of ministry a marriage got better by separation And I definitely haven't known any kids who got better by separation. What usually happens is it gets worse. Don't flee your home. You stay under that roof. You got a spare bedroom. Things aren't going well. You got a couch. Sleep somewhere else. But stay under that roof. You just say, we're going to stay here and work it out. Because your presence, fathers, is of tremendous importance. And you may feel, I'm not a good dad. But you're there. That's a big factor in the outcome of children is simply the presence of a father. God bless you for being there. Second, give your parents, give your children, uh, fathers and parents in general, give your children boundaries. Boundaries. I want you to think for just a moment how God has interacted with humans, how the Heavenly Father has interacted with us. It says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, that when God created us, he put us in this garden with all kind of provision, but then he set boundaries just immediately. Genesis 2, 16 and 17, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, You're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you'll certainly die. Boundaries are good. The Heavenly Father gave boundaries immediately. There were th- that which they were not to go beyond. And you'll see this pattern. I won't take time to go through the Old Testament. But you'll see this pattern in each covenant God made. You remember the story of Noah and when they came out of the ark and they made a new start again? The first thing you'll read in Genesis chapter 9 when they came out of the ark is God set a boundary and said, now you're, you can eat all of the animals now, but you're not to take the life of a human because when you, when you shed the human blood, life will be required from you. And then he got to the Exodus and a new beginning again. And he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and into the desert. And what was the first thing that he did? He took them to Mount Sinai and Moses went up there and he got 10 commandments. And God set boundaries on that covenant community. Do you see a pattern here? Do you see how a good, good father sets boundaries? And so I want to encourage you as a father to set boundaries boundaries to discipline your children. They need rules. They need curfews. It's the way God, yes, they need grace. But before God gives grace, he gives rules and curfews. They need that. I'll tell you a story I've told you before, but you've forgotten it because you forget a lot of what I say anyway. I understand that. I'm going to tell you again. Gary Smalley in his book, Loves a Decision, tells of his story growing up. It's a sad story. His brother died of an infection Shortly after his parents had spanked him, there was no connection between the spanking and the death. But coincidentally, his brother, who had just been disciplined by his parents, got an infection and died. Because of that, his parents, he said, never spanked any of the rest of their children, never gave them rules, never gave them curfews. Gary Smalley says, my brothers and I ran wild. We did anything we wanted. He said, my brothers would play a game. Get the BB gun out. Count to three. got three seconds. We're going to shoot you. The further you can get on the count of three, the less it's going to hurt. One, two, three. He said, my parents, I got shot repeatedly with BB guns. My parents did nothing to to discipline. He said, when I dated, I had no rules at all. And it was only by the grace of God later that he came to Christ. But out of that tragic situation, his parents gave his kids no boundaries, and he said, my family was a disaster. Let me read to you a proverb, Proverbs 29, 17. Discipline your children, and they will give you peace. They will bring you the delights you desire. Give your children boundaries and discipline. Number three, fathers, let me suggest that you give this gift to your children. Give your children warmth. Give your children warmth. Let me read to you Ephesians 6-4 back in our main passage. Here's the only thing in the New Testament that it says specifically to Christian fathers about how you're to father. We need a lot of help. God gives us this one verse in the New Testament. Here it is. Ephesians 6-4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. And in the parallel passages we've been seeing in Colossians, Colossians 3-1 says, Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. So why is the one command in the New Testament given to fathers? Don't go overboard in discipline. Don't overcorrect your children. Don't keep scolding and nagging them, the living Bible or the message says. Uh, Don't uh, don't come down hard on them, one translation says. Why is that given? I think it's because of two things. First of all, you've got the Old Testament background of discipline, where God has given these rules and commands, and he's talked so much about discipline. And also in the Roman world, you have the background to this, that the father in the Roman culture had absolute power. A father in Roman culture could have his children killed, Could abandon them, could sell them into slavery up to three times. Don't you like that there's a limit of three times that you can sell your son into slavery? Can we sell him a junior into slavery? No, we already sold him three times, haven't we? Oh, we we can't. I mean, it's unbelievable. Absolute power. Uh, And against that background, the one thing that the New Testament says to fathers, fathers, I, I interpret it this way. Have some warmth, it's not all rules, but don't embitter your children, don't exasperate, don't discourage your children. Uh, We had a men's group back this spring that was meeting on Sunday night and uh, doing authentic manhood. I was a part of one of those sessions, and we broke out into a small group, and there were four men, myself and three others there. We were talking about the discussion questions about how to know how to be men. The discussion turned about how your, your role of your father. And one of those guys in our church said, I can never remember my father hold, uh, hugging me. I have a picture of my father holding me, but I have no memory of that. He would shake hands with me, but... I, I can't ever remember him touching me or holding me any other way. This is a good Christian father. Another uh, another father, in the, in that, another man in that group said, I had a great dad, but he was harsh and he was cold. And I sat there think, listening and I think, wow, there's four of us in the group, 50% of us who need to hear this verse. Uh, it, it applies. So God tells us, Guys, don't be that perfectionistic parent who's never pleased. Don't be that angry father who is, never laughs. Don't be that tough father who is never tender. That's what God is saying here. Give your children some warmth. And you see what the, the tendency is, guys, we tend to either be like our fathers or overreact to our fathers and overcorrect. And some of you had a harsh father... And so you either, that's your model and that's how you're going to be, or you have no rules. You're like out back Steakhouse, no rules, you know, at all there. And so you've over, you've gone the other way. And so, and it can work the other direction as well. So do you hear what God is saying here? There's that Old Testament foundation of boundaries and discipline, and there's this New Testament word of warmth and of love to your kids. The fourth thing, fathers, that I would challenge you to give to your children is give your children Jesus. All your parenting in the world, all your books you read, and all the things you do will be like dust in the wind if you don't give them Jesus. Let me read to you the last half of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Instead, so the first part said, fathers, do not exasperate your children. The last part says, instead bring them up. The word literally means feed them. It's translated in Ephesians 5, 29, feed. So you, you feed your kids. You got to feed them physical food. Feed them spiritual food. It's just as important to their, that they have a spiritual diet. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Are you giving your kids the Lord, the training of the Lord, dads teach your kids? Now, I want to say a word to dads who may not be great verbal teachers. Some dads say, man, I'm not a talker. I'm, I, I know how to teach my kids. I'm not a great... i, I tell you what you can do. Le- just lead by example. Have, have your kids ever seen you reading your Bible at home? That's not the only reason to read your Bible at home, but that's one pretty good reason. They just need to see you Either to hear you pray. If your kids ever heard you pray, other than doing a blessing, thank you God for the food. If they ever heard you pray, if they ever seen you reading Bible, in your home, model Jesus for them and teach them about Jesus. In vacation Bible school, we had 26 kids who came forward. And so we counseled them individually who responded to a gospel invitation. And Cindy was telling me later. Cindy counseled some of them. She was telling me later. She said I had a, a girl that I counseled, and at the end, uh, I, I taught, we always tell them go home and tell your parents. And her grandparents had had brought her to, to Bible school, and he said go home. She said go home and tell your grandparents. And the little girl said, Oh, my grandfather is really into Jesus. <laughs> and I thought, Oh man. What, a, what, what better thing could that grandfather have said about him than, oh, my grandfather is really into Jesus. Uh, uh, would your kids ever say that when we counsel them in Bibles? Oh, my dad, he's really into Jesus. My, my mom, she's really into Jesus. I pray kids to say that about me. Give them Jesus. By the way you live and by what you say and bringing them to church. Give them Jesus. I'll tell you one re- main reason why I'm standing here today, I think. One of the main reasons I'm standing here today, probably, is because in the late 1940s, when my parents had gotten married, they told me this later, they had a, sort of some bumps in the road, like some young marriages do. And they were in church, and a pastor... By 1949, several years before I was born, they had a pastor who preached on the family. And they said, they said, we got up from our pew, hand in hand, and walked down to the front and said, we want to dedicate our family God they said it made a difference in our family we started going to church and I'm grateful for that heritage I wonder if there's somebody here today who'd say uh, I want to dedicate my family to Jesus maybe you're not married yet maybe you're single and you think maybe someday you'll get married man that's the best time of all to say I want to dedicate my family to Jesus Maybe you're past the time of raising children. You'll say, a lot of this had not applied to me today. Oh, listen, being in love with Jesus never goes out of style. If you're an empty nester, if you're a senior adult, won't you say, man, I've run a lot of the race. I'm going to run the rest of the race with Jesus. Maybe you're a kid, and uh, you're growing up and becoming independent. But it's pleasing to the Lord. It's right. Would you say, I'm going to submit to my parents. Maybe you're struggling with a father who's not who have had some ups and downs in a relationship with. But maybe you need to say today, I'm going to honor the position of father in my life. Would you bow your heads with me? And I just want to invite you right now in a time of commitment to commit wherever you are in your home to the Lord. I want to invite you, if you're sitting with your spouse that you just reach over and take the hand of your spouse, if you're willing to do that. Nobody's going to know if you do or not. We've got our heads bowed. And just say, where we are from here on, I want to commit myself to our marriage, commit our home to Jesus. I want to re... We've done it before. It's been 20, 30 years. We want to recommit our home to Jesus. You're sitting by yourself, wherever role you're in, your family, your future family, Would you just say, I want to honor Jesus in my home life, whatever that may be. I may be a single. I may get married someday. Whatever it may be, I want to honor Jesus in my home. Oh, Father, thank you for the gift of family. Thank you so much for fathers. Thank you especially for Christian fathers. We commit our role as fathers to you. We want to give good gifts to our children. We want to give good gifts to our fathers. We commit our homes to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Today, you could uh, confess your faith in Jesus. Come by the Welcome Center and tell me. You can uh, plan for our baptism in July. We've got seven people already lined up to be baptized in July. You could join them. You could join our church. I'd be glad to visit with you. Thank you for coming today.
3: Would you please stand with us? And let's uh, close by singing this song. From the day you found me, Lord. Want to dedicate my life.
1: just a moment, if you will. Uh, today, as we close, we it is a time for our deacon council election. There is a ballot in your worship folder. If uh, you don't have a ballot and you're a member of First Baptist Church and you wish to vote, you raise your hand and an usher will bring you a ballot. Uh, but if you will take that out and mark that, let me give you some instructions on the side that says deacon council election ballot. You are to vote for up to five of these already ordained deacons. These are men serving in our deacon family ministry, and we vote for up to five of them. Five will serve a three-year term on our deacon council. So you place an X or a check by the name of, you don't have to do five, you can do less than five, but vote up to five of these deacon council election ballot. Then on the other side is new deacon nomination form. So we also have the opportunity of nominating for ordination. Men who are qualified to serve as deacons, you can nominate up to two. So you write their name in the blanks there. You do not write the name of any of those 42 listed there. They're already ordained deacons. That's just to help you to know so that you don't put their name down. It's always there's somebody who circles some of those names, but you don't do that. You write down the name of somebody not listed there. After you've done that, you can fold it in half from top to bottom and pass it to the aisles. Uh, Does anybody need a a ballot? Raise your hand. Can we bring some bulletins uh, to these folks who have their hands raised? Just keep them up for a minute and uh, they'll bring them to you. So you can be, I'm going to share just a word of announcement. So you've got just a minute in case you're frantically doing that. You've got a minute before, but whenever you're ready, you can pass them to the aisles. This will be the only Sunday to participate. So we want to give you time to do that. While you're marking your ballots and getting those folded, I want to share just a couple of words. Wednesday night, we continue our outdoor worship. We had a great beginning last Wednesday night. We had about 250 people in our rear parking lot. uh, And we had great testimonies and music. We'll continue that this week. And uh, so hope you'll join us. Bring a lawn chair and come. This week, food trucks will be here. Usually we have a fellowship afterwards. This week, food trucks will be there both before and after. So from 5.30 to 7.30. The service starts at 6.30, so you plan. If you want to come and eat before, during, or after, that's fine, but 5.30 to 7.30 is when the food trucks, uh, three different food trucks, will be in our rear parking lot. So I invite you to take advantage of that, support local business, and enjoy that great fellowship. Also, I want to share with you and ask you to pray for a group of students who leave tomorrow to go on their mission trip? A uh, fuge in uh, Mobile, Alabama. There are a group of forty-eight high school students and leaders who leave tomorrow morning, and we want to support them in prayer as they go to the Gulf Coast and are involved in mission projects. And uh, they're in Mobile, so would you please uh, pray for them? All right, so if, you got the, if you're got, if you about ready while I've been talking, pass those to any, either of these center aisles, please, and just hold them up on the end, and our ushers are coming down uh, to pick them up. So if you're a member of First Baptist Church, hope you'll participate. Pass those to the aisle and just hold them up there and come and get them. And I'm going to give you just a minute to get that done. We good up in the balcony. Thank you. All right. We miss anybody other than those at the back that he's getting there. Anybody? All right. Let's pray together. Would you join me as we uh, as we close in prayer? Father in heaven, thank you that you are in that role as our father, a good, good father, and bless today earthly fathers. We pray. We want to pray for these students and their leaders. As they leave tomorrow morning, we pray protection over them. We pray for them as they work, that they will be safe. We pray as they share Jesus, that there will be people come to know Jesus as Savior through their efforts. We pray they will grow in the Lord through this experience. Thank you for the leaders who are giving a week up of their time to invest in the lives of young people in our church. Father, I pray as we give our offerings on the way out and put our offerings in the deposit boxes or for those who have given online or on our church app, we just want to pause and commit these offerings to you. This is our act of worship. This funds your ministry. We, are, we thank you for giving to us that we can give back to you. Father, bless Connection Group leaders that will be beginning right now in a moment. Lord, help us to grow to love one another and grow to love your word even more through this time in small groups. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. From the day you saved my soul
2: Till the very moment when I come home Hope this day you saved my soul